Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host, Albert, and this is episode 202. I wish to drink your blood and play your board games. Hello, Julius. Hello, Albert. How are you doing this lovely stormy night evening with the creepy <laughs> clouds coming in, raining, and thunder crashing in the background, none of which is actually happening because it's a wonderful almost summer day here in Memphis. It is a wonderful summer day, but that is spring. But that is so thematic. <laughs> <laughs> it would be great if it was. And Lister, the reason why that would be thematic is because today we are going to be reviewing the game Horrified, a game all about monsters trying to take over your sleepy hollow town. Mm-hmm. And it is a neat sounding game, neat looking game. I look forward to hear more about it. It is a generally neat game. Who doesn't love monsters? Indeed. With that being said, let us jump into our review. Albert, first up is going to be components. Okay, so I will tell you that I hadn't seen this game at the store because I've been avoiding my store for the last year. Um, (laughs) If I saw this game at the store, I I would ignore it, honestly. I said, oh, it's a movie tie-in sort of thing, cheap. I look at the back. The plastic looks kind of cheap. The cardboard looks kind of cheesy. It looks sort of like an old Hasbro game in terms of quality. That that was my mm-hmm. reaction when I first saw pictures of it and whatnot. I can so, understand that. And in fact, it's mm-hmm. when you say you're avoiding your store, this is actually available at your local Target most easily. Um, I believe mm-hmm. at the time of this was actually Target exclusive, and I actually picked up a Target Wizard when it was on sale myself. Um, so it's a lot harder to have avoided that particular particular store i may add but (laughs) yes i will i will agree with what you're saying the theme it's it's a classic licensed theme and it's an old license that i don't have any particular strong feelings about what they've done is that they've taken all of the old universal monster movies the really old ones so old uh, the Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, Creature from the, the Mummy, Lagoon. Creature from the Black Lagoon, exactly. All these old movies that I don't have real strong nostalgia for or desire to even go out and see again. So the theme is not the strongest draw for me. And I can certainly understand why you might say, hey, it's a licensed game. But, dear listener, even though it is just a licensed game, I think this is something that is definitely worth paying attention to. Uh, discussing some of the components hmm. inside, I think the components inside are relatively nicely designed in actuality. The game comes with seven monsters, okay. and you can change, you can add replayability by varying which of the seven monsters you're doing. If you're looking for an easy game, you can versus off with only two of the monsters. If you're looking for a very difficult game, you can go versus four of them. Um, and so the game changes, your objectives in the game change based on which of the monsters you're doing. But each monster comes with its own large player mat, comes with special tokens, which are shaped tokens on sturdy board with sturdy, with nice iconization, and also a nice little mini figure, which are very easily recognizable for each of the seven monsters, technically six, but one of them has a pair because Frankenstein and the bride both come together, but set that aside. But Ah, nice. Okay. Yep. So it's got the seven monsters, and all of them are nicely designed. It is worth mentioning that it, the, if the components are nice quality, it might be in part because the game is published by Ravensburger, right? Which has got a mm-hmm. reputation for publishing good 
decent quality games. With a design by Prosper Hall as well, which have a reputation for designing nice games. So the quality of the components are very Mm -hmm. nice. Um, speaking is another thing I they've worked in that the shape for all their tokens. None of these tokens are your just classic square circle. All of the tokens are shaped. <laughs> so you, all the villagers, all the good guys, the villagers and the heroes are all going to be standees, but they've really taken around with a theme for the design of how they're doing it. I'm not quite sure what you would call the design, but it's sort of a marquee type design, the classic cinema marquee where it has the thinner one, the the thin bottom and it shapes up to go up at the top. And they've built that design in across both the hero badges that you get, which mark what your special power is, uh, the villager standees, and also the item tokens, which I haven't gone too much detail in. But I just want to mention that all of them are, are custom shaped tokens with a pleasing shape to them, that marquee type shape. And they've really made it so that all of it feels uniform and cohesive and all of the graphic design comes together, which makes it very pleasing and nice to look at. Um, Mentioning those item tokens, those are another token. There's 60 of them that come in the game that again are thick-ish durable tokens and they need to be durable because part of what you're doing in the game is there's an item bag supplied and you're going to be shuffling all the item tokens into the game and when appropriate you're going to be pulling item tokens out of the bag placing them in all the various different places that you need to on the board and they have to remain durable enough to not get too marred up as they're being shaken and mixed in with all the others. Having played the game now a lot of times, I've seen no noticeable wear. I'm confident that if I was the type of the game that I played, you know, as much as Arkham, or shook the bag as much as an Arkham, that they would start to show <laughs> some noticeable wear. But so far, not. So I certainly think that they are well put together, and the components just continue to impress. Um, additionally, it, there's it's a also worth of- noting. It's also worth noting that the. Uh, there's no film photography in the game that I can see. It's all uh, drawings and illustrations, color and, and black and white to look like an old film, but but it's mm-hmm. all drawings, which is nice. I tend personally, I tend to not like photographs so much in games. I do agree with that. Yes, the none all of it looks to be custom art pieces for the game, and again, that adds to the nice cohesive look. I had to actually mention the cards, which is what I was going to get to, and mention that mm-hmm. point. The game comes with 30 monster cards and 20 perk cards. The monster cards are what control essentially what the monsters are doing on their game if they're going to move or take any other action. And you'll shuffle that up into a deck and deal them out. Similarly with the perk cards, that's a deck of things that you get. When you deliver some of the villagers to wherever it is that they want to be, they'll give you a perk. And you'll draw from the deck to see what you get, what kind of perk benefit you'll get in the future from those. All of those have, as Albert mentioned, nicely drawn art. Um, again, remaining cohesive, remaining with a cohesive art design throughout the whole thing and continues to look very nice. This is not like a terraforming Mars type thing mm-hmm. where it's different genres, different looks and styles of, of art on the pieces, or even if it's drawn from some pictures, some, all of it is a cohesive, well put together art style, which continues to impress the last component that i want to mention is that the game does come with three custom dice 
for my, uh, for rolling to see what happens with if the monster is trying to attack, if they're successful, or if they use their special power. And these are custom dice. They're similar to the way Fantasy Flight would come into dice, how they do many of their games, that there's a star side, if there's an attack, and an exclamation point side of something special happens. <laughs> You've seen it in uh, many different Fantasy Flight games. This this has that same type of idea, mm-hmm. but it's a custom die. They're They're nice. They're sturdy many different components also for all the different monsters that I'm not going to go into, but more tokens. Uh, All of the components are really, really well done. Impressively. So. Hmm, Okay. Very cool. So having gone through all the components, let me talk about the rules for a moment. Um, In general, this is going to be a, let's say pandemic style type of game where the players will take their turn, do a number of actions. Then the game will strike back and do something else. Um, and then you'll continue to do that until either the game wins or you win. The rules relatively well convey that exact idea. First it goes through and it says what you can do. It explains a brief summary of what you can do on your turn. Then it goes through in more detail, talks about the different types of things on the board. Then it describes what it is that the monsters do. It doesn't give you all the details, but it has a clear reference to, Hey, I'm referencing something from later refer to such and such a page, which I feel that there are many other games that don't give you that clear reference of, I haven't told you all this on a specific (laughs) Mm -hmm. monster. Look here. This one does. There are a few things that I feel like could have been introduced earlier. Uh, One specific thing is the idea of frenzy because frenzy is something that's relatively important because of how monsters come out and attack. And I'll get more into that when we get into uh, discussing the gameplay, but it doesn't introduce it until the end. When at that point in time, you're already past where you're like, what is this icon doing and how do I deal with it? Um, so it perhaps introduces that one aspect late, but otherwise the rules are really well written. Um, Prosper Hulk continues to do the weird thing of call any pawn that you move around the board a mover instead of saying pawn or standee or marker or things like that. It's it's called a mover. <laughs> um, I saw that. Which, is, is that his term for that? I did not realize that. Prosper Hall, and it's not a him, it's a them. <laughs> Um, but this design it's team, okay. it's a them. Um, it's a, it's a group of people. I do not mean that in the, let's not get into gender oh, issues. Gender, it's an actual gender, group of, okay. it's, I, I'm using that in the plural version. <laughs> it is a group of people designing games where they want to give everyone credit for all of their input into it. So it's the whole group they're giving credit to. So Prosper I didn't Hall, realize that. Okay, cool. Yes. So, it's just a terminology that pops up in every game of theirs that I've played where they call the thing that moves around the board, a mover instead of a pawn or a standee or miniature. It's always called a mover, which is, it felt to me like a classic term, but it's just part and parcel of what they say in books at this point in time. Mm-hmm. It's a sort of thing that it's not a big deal, but it could be confusing at first. And you know, I guess it's sort of a, it, it helps it stand out, but it'd be nice if it just called it a pawn or a player piece and moved on. Yeah. 
it's it's just a terminology that they've latched onto. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm guessing they're trying to angle for it to become the common parlance at, at one point in time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, looking at the rule book, I've not played the game at all. I'd not really heard about it until you told me about this. And I'm looking at the rule book online. It looks really nice. It's well designed, well laid out. It is really easy just to to glance through it pretty quickly and, and check different sections and understand not in detail how the game works, but get the idea behind it just by glancing. Mm-hmm. So I. I, I a really, really well done rule book. And look, right in the middle here, there's a, a little bubble. If you're the first player, do this. If you're doing solo play, do this. Exactly. This is nice. I appreciate that. And Thank it, you. And it satisfies your requests about solo play. Yes. Yes. Though, granted, this game has very little difference for solo play. That is much, true. Much like a pandemic would. <laughs> I think the I only it. perhaps minor qualm I have with it would be with regard to individual monster setups. Each of the monsters has a different setup, the way you're supposed to put out their additional tokens. Mm-hmm. And each of the monsters has printed on the back of the player card all the different monster setups. Which means that if you want to set up a monster, you have to both take out the player board for the monster you're dealing with and any other random monster board read that monster board and then put it away when you're done i don't know why they didn't just put that in the rule book it seems random that they did it that way oh yeah that 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 so, one so aspect the setup for the monster board just to be clear the setup for so like the setup for the mummy is in the back of the mummy card it's not only in the back of the mummy card it's on the back of all the monster cards including the mummy uh, itself. all the monster cards all the monster cards have the same setup on all of them. The same setup instructions for all well, of them. Well, it lists. It lists. Here's the setup for the mummy. Here's the setup for the creature Black Loon. Here's the setup for Dracula. It lists mm-hmm. all of them on all of their cards. So then no matter which one you're flipping over, you'll see the instructions for it. So theoretically, you can pull out the mummy, read the setup instructions, memorize them well enough that you can then flip it back over and do it. I'm confident that if you've played the game enough times, like at this point in time, I can set it up. Because yeah. I've done it three, four times each, mm-hmm. I can do that. That's not an issue. Okay, and the, so it's on the back the of a single just... card or, or six single cards. So it's actually not a complicated setup at all. It sounds like it's pretty relatively it's, simple. It's not cards complicated at all to do. It doesn't take that long to do. I just question why did they mm-hmm. put it there instead of in the rule book? Mm-hmm. That is interesting. That's just. Minor, minor quibble, but merely something I wanted to mention. Okay. Well, that breaks it. That's it. I'm not getting it. (laughs) Maybe it's an exaggeration. Maybe. All right. So, so let's talk about the theme. It sounds like you weren't all that invested in the theme personally, but you appreciate it. I appreciate the theme. I think that it makes for a good pandemic style game where there's a good guy and a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not quite sure how, like, I assume everyone's come home and happens to live at the same village. And for some random reason, there is an explorer <laughs> and a professor that have come back to this village. I mean, it just sort of mashes together all the movies. I don't care for the theme and the theme feels like it's just a light, light, light fun theme for a co-op style bad guy game. Mm-hmm. Yep. In theory, I like the the theme and the idea of the classic monsters. Um, I appreciate them. The movies I've seen and movies I remember seeing, I don't remember 
necessarily enjoying them that much. I watched the Creature from the Black Lagoon five or six years ago, and I don't think I finished it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I love the idea of the classic monsters. They they tend to be creepy in a sort of, and I like that. But yeah, it's they never all really came on the same movie together, unless it was like one of those silly movies, like you know. The mummy, <laughs> the mummy and Frankenstein against Scooby Doo or something, or in Gilligan's Island, <laughs> something like that. Yes. Yeah. Okay, but so, so I mean, the, the theme, theme is there. Is it's fun, but you know, don't don't expect too much. Yeah, this is not a cohesive story type game. It's just not. <laughs> okay. So let me talk a little bit about how the gameplay works at this point in time. You ready for okay. this, Albert? Yes. So I have an idea. Your, I imagine I know what it's like. I want to see how close I am. <laughs> on your turn, you have a certain number of actions, which is actually based on which player character you're doing. You can have between three and five actions. So each player badge is going to list how many actions you do. On your turn, you can do one of a couple actions. There are spaces on the board, like the, the tower or the inn or the museum, things like that. You can move uh, from space to adjacent space using one of your actions. When you move, you can choose to take any of the other villagers that are with you around as you do. Alternatively, as an action, you can instead guide a villager from your space to an adjacent space or from an adjacent space to your space. Now, the reason why you want to move villagers around is, as I mentioned, each of the villagers has printed on the villager mover a safe location that they're trying to get to. If you manage to get them that safe location, you will not only re- remove them from harm, thus preventing the bad guys from attacking the mods, attacking the villagers, and potentially pushing the end game timer. But in addition, they'll also give you a perk. Um, the next common action is you get to pick up items. At the end of each round, most rounds, um, a certain number of items are going to be picked up. Each item has printed on it where it goes. So an item could print the end, in which case when it gets drawn out of the bag, it goes to the end. On your turn, you can pick up any number of items from your space, which feels like a somewhat strategic action because sometimes you'll say, I need some items now, but I'm not really going anywhere yet. So maybe I should wait here or go this direction and see if more items pile up in another space because it's one item, one action to pick up all of the items from location. Generally, you want to pick up all the items from location. The next mm-hmm. uh, action that you could do is you can share. And again, this feels like a very strategic action. When you share, you can share all the items that you want between players. You just initiate a share and that allows all heroes to give and take on your space. Even if you're not actually giving and taking, you could spend one of your actions to share or to cause a sharing action time between all of them. Um, the last action, or excuse me, uh, the other, sure, I'll say last, the other two actions that you can do is you can advance and defeat. Each of the monsters has a different way to defeat them. So first you have to advance through a monster's task, whether it be find the black lagoon or break all of Dracula's, um, caskets or make love or, or make happiness for, um, Frankenstein's monster and and the bride of Frankenstein. So you have to advance through the task. Once you've finished advancing through the task, then at that point it opens up defeat. So it takes an action to go through the advanced thing, and it takes an action to do the final defeat. If you manage to defeat all of the monsters in your game before any of the other end game to the, uh, end game tasks tick over, 
then you win. What are those end game uh, possibilities? You might say there are two other end game tasks other than winning. The first is if you run out of time, there's a card deck, the monster deck that you're going to be drawing at the end of each round. Again, that deck determines what the monsters do on your turn. If you need to draw a card and that deck is empty, then you lose. Alternatively, there's a terror level. Mm. If the monsters manage to kill one of the players or a villager, then they will advance on the terror level. If they advance all the way to the skull, the end of the terror level, then you immediately lose the game as well. Okay. Now you can prevent the terror level from advancing by fighting off the monsters when they strike. When a monster strike occurs, those items that you picked up, in addition to being able to use the items to advance the task, which they commonly are, you can use an item to defend against an attack. All you have to do is be in a space where the monsters are attacking and discard an item to ward off the attack. And it's that easy. If, though, you do not have or choose not to use any of your items, instead you would have to roll one of those dice. If you roll an attack symbol, you get hit and you are defeated. Because of this, this is why it's wise to get villagers out of the way. Villagers do not get to roll dice, and villagers do not get to spend any items. They don't have either. So they just get defeated, eaten, and turned into terror. So save the villagers before they die. Okay. Uh, Can players die and be eliminated? No. When you die, a player is brought back to life, revitalized at the hospital, which is one of the locations on the board. Ah, yes. Okay. Sounds familiar. <laughs> Villagers <laughs> don't have quite that ability, but they're mostly okay. missing for most of the game. So this game reminds me of two different games. I could go for three even. Um, it has a little bit of a pandemic feel, which you mentioned around, because you're running around and collecting things and all that. But to me, it reminds me even more of um, Flashpoint Fire Rescue, because you're picking up people and carrying them around to the location and stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that an accurate comparison, you think? I do think so, because most okay. of the time, I think that a lot of times, I, I mentioned these as a pandemic-style thing where you take all of your actions, do good things, and then the game yeah. does all of its bad things. I didn't even mention about the bad things the game does. Just to briefly mention, um, in the monster phase, when you flip over a card, it'll list how many items you need to draw out of the bag and put on the respective places. It can be anywhere between zero and three. Then it lists an event. There are events that are set for each monster. So if you draw an event that's for a monster not in the game, the event just doesn't trigger. If it's a neutral event, like a a villager come out or all the villagers move, then you just do that. If it's an event for the monster that's in the game, then you do what it says, and it can try and attack you or otherwise mess with you. Then it has monster strike. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be a number of symbols that are listed on the bottom of it. And... Often it's going to show a symbol not for a monster in the game. Like it sh- could show Dracula's symbol, but Dracula not in the game, in which case just ignore it. Many of them do have a frenzied monster icon, which means that whichever monster has the frenzied token on it is going to be the one that moves. So sometimes it means that a monster can move twice if it's frenzied. That frenzied monster m- marker just means that regardless of whichever monster is in the game, um, commonly you'll still have monsters moving at a regular pace. You won't go a long time without seeing one for it. Because it'll hit that frenzy marker relatively uh, relatively regularly. And the frenzy marker can move because of some cards, or if you defeat the frenzy monster, the other ones gets frenzied. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's how that's that's what I mean by the the game getting to take its bad thing. And yeah, regarding your comparisons gotcha, to yeah. Pandemic or Flashpoint, I do think so. I think the difference between Flashpoint is that in Flashpoint, the point is you want to go and rescue the people, and that's your primary objective. And this one, rescuing people, is more mm-hmm. like a secondary objective because that's the way you fight off uh, the okay. game from winning. And this one, your primary object- objective has to be collect the items to be able to do the things to defeat Dracula. So, for example, let's let's do something specific just so I can discuss how it works in specific. So I'm going to pick Dracula. Um, if you're doing Dracula, you have the advanced, so you have to smash his coffins. And what you have to do is you have to pick up red items with a total strength of six or more. Each item has printed out much strength on it, so you may have to discard multiple red items to get to a total of six. You have to go to the six coffin mm-hmm. spots, and on each coffin spot, as an action, you spend those red items to smash uh, Dracula's token. I'm sorry, there's only four Um coffins but you take that that coffin off the board flip it over to show that it's been smashed and place it on dracula's mat when you've smashed all four uh coffins for dracula at that point in time you have to go fight dracula so you move to dracula grab six total strength of yellow items which coincidentally enough are the um items such as steaks and garlic (laughs) The red ones are common <laughs> things like weapons, like metal pipes and guns. So I think Dracula is the uh, one that is most well designed with the colors, but that's besides the point. But anyway, you discard up <laughs> any number of six, uh, items up to, to to get a total strength of six, and then you defeat Dracula. So that has to be your main objective. Because you have hmm. the side objectives of just keep everyone alive, and the main objective of whichever way it is to both advance and then defeat it feels more like pandemic to me because you're having to keep everyone alive and still have a main objective whereas in flashpoint keeping everyone alive is your objective you cannot win the game if all you're doing is shuffling villagers around the board and in fact there'll be a lot of times you're like "Ooh, that that villager popped up in a really awkward location (laughs) goodbye villager poor guy yeah. So, okay. so die. it doesn't have the <laughs> well that had to happen, you know. That that does this game though doesn't have that that uh pandemic uh, mechanism of reshuffling the discard and putting it back on top of the deck or anything like that, right? No, none of that. You shuffle once and yeah, then okay. that's it. Okay. It doesn't there's so, there's no idea of it getting worse other than just it stays bad. <laughs> yep. So my impression it's like those games but lighter. Correct. Maybe, maybe, yeah, okay. The other game it reminded me of, mainly because when you die, you show up in the hospital, is Arkham Horror. <laughs> is that? And you know, you're running around a board that actually doesn't look that different from this one, uh, at least in the second edition. I hear you. And if you die, you go to the hospital. <laughs> but there is I, one more, one more on. comment about the comparison to Pandemic that I want to uh, bring out with many co-op games the game rises to a climax mm-hmm. like with pandemic as you mentioned towards the end of the game things are getting tough you're low on cards there's already a bunch of diseases out on the board and you just sort of have to struggle through it's the rare game of pandemic you're like oh we've got the whole board cleared of cubes we're gonna just breeze through this last bit we're good 
You don't normally get that. Similarly, in Flashpoint Fire yeah. Rescue, you get towards the end of the game. Most of the houses on fire are like, we just need to rescue one more person, and then we're out. <laughs> just need to last long enough. Just don't let the house fall down. And it rises to a climax. It's often almost the opposite mm-hmm. with this one. I've mentioned a couple times that with the uh, oh, with okay. the play with the encounter deck, the monster deck, if you have less monsters in the game, the monster deck is going to do things less often. You're going to have less attacks and you're going to have less events occurring. So practically when you're playing the game, you kind of want to focus on defeating one monster, get it out of the game, even if that means you can't shuffle them around so much, you can't do things that affect them, but get one guy out of the game, finish him off, and then the whole deck gets a lot easier. There's one less target to attack you. There's Mm -hmm. one less bad thing occurring. And that remains true because if you get one out of the game, it just gets easier. So when you get towards the end of the game, you may be low on cards, but you've only got one monster to deal with. So it almost sinks, unlike rising to a climax. If you get to the end of the game, it's easy. <laughs> Sometimes the problem is it's getting to the end of the game. If you're playing with three or even four, there is nowhere safe on the board at the beginning. When all of them are out, you'll be like, I can't go anywhere. I'm going to flip here and hope. <laughs> that we draw the one that is going to activate the monster all the way over there. Cause you can't kite them. Villagers come up all over the board. Items come up all over the board. So it's not like you can kite them around. It's just nowhere safe. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds fun though. The, the anticlimactic ending sounds like a bit of a shame, but maybe that's okay. Cause you know, a lot of games, it's always kind of frustrating you're, you're struggling struggling you don't feel like you're making progress until it ends at least here i guess you feel like you're making progress you most so, definitely so, feel you know, like that could be a progress. good thing <laughs> okay especially because okay. there's the advanced tax where you're slowly making real significant progress of the course of the whole advanced task and then you get the defeat and it's that's a nice little climax that together we got him boys he's mm-hmm. down and whenever we play <laughs> we triumphantly knock over the mini and sort of leave the corpse <laughs> there for the rest of the game yeah okay. we did it so that's a that's the best part of it it's okay. it's getting that to do that fun. flick <laughs> And like I personally have a movies. have a favorite monster from here as well. Oh, who's that? Uh, the mummy is my Me favorite guess. one to play against. Uh, um, because do you know the like sliding puzzle games? Mm-hmm. Yep, the fifteen we puzzle. Yep. Slide one. Yeah. So, the, yep. I enjoy doing this one because you slide the puzzle around. It starts with a six numbered slide puzzle. And you have to slide it all around to try and match up the numbers and essentially swap one side to the other so that at that point in time, the curse is broken and you can return the mummy back. But I like doing Ah. that slide puzzle under the pressure of everyone coming to get you. Um, It's it's very cerebral to be able to do that (laughs) in the best way possible. And at the same time, Mm -hmm. A, all the other players are like, just take some movements with it figure it out, just do it because we're going to flip this over and they're coming for us. And I very much enjoy <laughs> the, the uh, extra stress and tension that it brings to it, which is fun. That, that, that's cool. So I guess each monster feels different when you, when you play them. Very much so. Yes. Ah, okay. That's cool. I like that. Each monster has a very different sort of advance and defeat task. I saw on BGG people have uploaded other monsters that you could play against. 
They've come up with their own I name. I don't want to talk about those. <laughs> oh, okay. Never mind. I didn't say anything. Why is that? Have you played them? I think that there's a wide variance on how well they're designed. Well, yeah, I think that's that some. Yeah, that's true. And some of them are nice. Some of them do have that shoddily put together look to them that I suppose you have to when you're not a professional designer mm-hmm. or developer or any of those. Like it has to sometimes. It doesn't slot in so well to other things because you have to be like, here's the icon. But really, whenever you see these other icons, it also still triggers um, because you don't have the icons mixed in with all the other cards. So. It's uh, I got you. difficult. It, and that, that's kind of hard because, you know, you already said the game is really nicely designed and, and all that and put together and really good quality components. And anything you download and print and play is just not going to match. Or, or yeah. unless you get a, lucky and find a really good designer. But they are yeah. theirs for people that want to try them, which I think is neat. Right? The Phantom, that the is Opera, true. the Blob, so on. You know, the fly. I, I like where they're going with it, but I wasn't, I was not mm-hmm. particularly interested in myself. Okay. Fair enough. Fair and enough. just to mention, by the way, you mentioned about the changes for solo. The only difference for solo is that if you're playing with one hero, you just start with a tear level on three instead of zero. Okay, but you still play one hero. You don't have to play You still two play one hero. Do not have to play multiple heroes, unlike Pandemic. But you can if you want. You certainly obviously. can if you want. <laughs> and I, each hero you said is each hero is different, you said. Yeah, because they have different movement points and all that. So I imagine they Correct. have some synergies or they work well together and that sort of thing. Okay. Correct. Do you feel so the different s- heroes, some are easier than others? Like, are there some that you don't like playing solo with, for example, or something? I don't think so. I mean, there's one that you can't play solo with because his whole thing is about interacting with other mm. players. But with that exception, no, I don't think so. I don't think I have a particular preference. I randomize it. Okay. Cool. That sounds very neat. I very much enjoy it. Just as to find to give a final summary for my thoughts on it, I very much enjoy it. Uh, my family has been enjoying playing it together. My kids have been enjoying playing it together, and I've been enjoying playing it solo as well. So even though it would not have drawn me based on the box or based on the theme, mm-hmm. I think the gameplay, especially for if you enjoy this type of, if you're looking for a good co-op game. I give it a strong recommendation. Nice. Okay. And it supports one to five players out of the box and ages 10 and up. Indeed. Although I don't think it's even easier than ages 10 to up. We it, play it with my seven year old. It was just fine. Just play with okay. less monsters. It's probably the scary theme then. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing the game with us, Julius. It looks, it looks fun. It definitely looks like something I would enjoy trying. My pleasure, and I hope that everyone out there has a very nice night. Thanks for listening. We love feedback, so we love hearing from you. You can reach me at Julius at OnePlayerPodcast.com or JLBird on BGG. And Albert can be reached at Albert at OnePlayerPodcast.com or Fractaloon on BGG. Our website is OnePlayerPodcast.com with the number one, and we're also on Twitter at OnePlayerPodcast. The intro music is copyright Angus, can be found at Gemendo.com. The transition music is copyright by Dan Elduce Pancaldi, whose page is at DanPancaldi.com. The One Player Podcast is protected under a Creative Commons share-like license. Thanks for listening.